Welcome to our final sermon from our series, Living Wisely in a Wacky World. Today, our topic is Living Wisely with Technology. And our sermon is going to be a little bit different. It'll come in really three different scenes, each one with its own scripture reading. So I'll pause a couple of times during the message to share another scripture and then move into the next movement, so to speak, of the sermon. We'll start with Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let us pray. Almighty God, technology is such a big part of our lives these days. We realize it's a tool that can be used for good, but is often used to destroy. Lord, give us wisdom that in our in all of our lives, we can follow you in such a way that it adds grace and truth and love to who we are and what we do. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Disconnected. Our younger folks can't even imagine it. We older ones, though, remember, don't we? We remember what it's like to be disconnected for hours. I remember as a college student driving back and forth between Alexander City and Tuscaloosa, two and a half hour drive with no phone, no GPS, no connection to the outer world other than my radio. Uh, there was time to listen to music, time to think, time to dream, time to pray, just time to be apart. And while the idea now of my kids being on the road for two hours with no cell phone is scary, I actually kind of miss those times. Uh, I remember going out with friends without the distraction of text and emails and tweets and phone calls. I remember what it's like to have and to give undivided attention. An hour, hour and a half, two hours, where we only spoke with one another because there was no one else intruding. Having the world at our fingertips certainly has its benefits, but not without some cost. Back then, I couldn't imagine having to turn around and go back home because I forgot my phone. Times have changed. Technology has creeped into every part of our lives. A little feature on iPhones can reveal just how much technology is encroaching on our lives. Under settings, you can find a tab that reads screen time. I don't look at it often because I'm not sure I really want to know, but if you click on that screen time tab, it will tell you what your average number of hours per day on your cell phone is. It's probably good that we should know, even though we may not want to. We need to know. Uh, we need to be aware of how our time is passing. See, Paul reminds us that we should make, that, that wise people make the most of their time by setting aside opportunities to sit silently before the Lord, by being truly present with family and friends. You know, maybe having a meal without cell phones at the table, I'm trying to learn to do that by sharing love with people in our community, seeing the people that are often overlooked. Let's make the most of our time. When our time is gone, 
We won't regret that Facebook post we didn't make or that game of Candy Crush we didn't play. We will appreciate the time spent with faith, family, and friends. Amen. Our second part comes from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 and 7. This is a text when the prophet Samuel has gone to Jesse's home to anoint the future king of Israel. Now we know it would be David, but Jesse brings in all of David's older brothers first, assuming that surely uh, God will anoint one of them. And here's the conversation that God has with, uh, with Samuel. When they came, Samuel looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed, uh, the Lord's anointing is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, for the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. <clears throat> Why are all my friends always at the beach? I feel left out. Sure, uh, it gets depressing sometimes. Uh, I take a break from writing sermons or doing yard work or sitting in traffic, and I scroll through Facebook. It seems like everyone is at the beach or on a boat or at the mountains. They're at parties living it up or they're at ball games cheering on their favorite teams. Everyone is living their lives, and I'm stuck working. I am stuck missing out on all the fun. Psychologists are actually beginning to address the ways that social media impacts depression. And one of them is that the images that we see tell us of a life that we don't actually get to live and it might get us discouraged. We look through our Facebook and we see 432 pictures of lovers on the beach at sunset and we imagine that that's all they ever do. Meanwhile, we're bogged down in the crisis of the moment. We forget the times that we enjoyed celebration. It feels like everyone is having fun, but me. Things are not always as they seem. You don't believe everything you see. People post their fun times, not their dishwashing times. And that pic that we're looking at today might have actually been taken weeks or months ago. In reality, technology has provided yet another means for us to judge ourselves by comparing ourselves with others. After a half hour perusing Facebook, I can come away feeling that I've never been as good, that I'll never be as good looking or as wealthy or as popular or as successful as all of those other people in my newsfeed. I think I could never measure up to what I'm seeing of them, but I'm not seeing the whole story on them either, and I forget that. God reminds Samuel that outer appearances are deceiving. The Lord looks on the heart. I'm glad, God's, I'm glad that God doesn't judge us by our social media presence, aren't you? Maybe we shouldn't judge ourselves that way either. Maybe what other people are doing, or even what's on our own feed, is not the best way to judge ourselves. I'm glad my friends get to have fun at the beach. I pray that God fills my heart so completely with godly love that I can live in peace wherever I am. Amen. 
Our third movement comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 32. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. And recent history, warfare has devolved to the point where we can literally obliterate our enemies with virtually no risk to ourselves and our troops. Unmanned fighter jets called drones wreak havoc while their pilots sit at a computer console hundreds of miles away, safe from danger. Now, it's good to protect our troops. I don't want our troops to be in harm's way any more than they have to be. But drones pose an ethical dilemma. Are we more likely to use violence to get our way when there's no risk of retaliation? If there's no threat to us, are we more likely to destroy others? Are we more likely to fight when there's no risk of getting punched in the mouth? Well, social, me social media has equipped us with the ability to launch drone strikes of a different kind. Anyone can assassinate someone's character while hiding in virtual anonymity. Cyberbullying is on the rise and it's killing our kids. Literally, kids are committing suicide over, over what they're experiencing online as their classmates bully them about their most embarrassing moments. Your most embarrassing moment may be someone else's opportunity at trending towards greatness in the cyber world. Your most embarrassing moment might help somebody else's feed go viral, and apparently that means something now. Let's face it, it's easier to be mean to people that you can't see. It also feels safer. But look at the society we've created. We need Paul's advice now more than ever. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths or through cyberspace, but only what is useful for building up. Let's beat our cyber swords into plowshares. Next time we feel the urge to launch an attack, let's hit the pause button. I had to learn to do that. Uh, I banned myself from posting during Alabama ball games. I discovered that in the heat of the moment while the ball game was going on, I would sometimes put stuff out there on social media that might hurt somebody's feelings and I might later regret. And so now when, when the tide is playing, uh, I don't post anything. If you're compelled to say something, something that might be harmful, wait 24 hours. If it's important now, it'll be important tomorrow too. But if it's just a momentary anger, it may, it may pass before we allow it to do any damage. Better yet, let's restore a personal touch to our conversations. If a discussion might get heated or starts to get heated, pick up the phone. There's, it, it's so easy to miscommunicate over text. If the discussion begins to be heated, Stop the texting and pick up the phone and talk. Better yet, go sit down with a person, if possible. Sit face to face and share ideas. 
it's much less likely to become toxic. Our culture has become so volatile, ready to explode at any disagreement. What an opportunity for Christ followers to turn down the temperature. Now, technology is here to stay. With Christ's help, may we live with it in ways that will add value to lives. Amen.